Welcome to the DC Daily Drop, your one-stop shop for today's important news in DC movies, TV, and comics. Here are your hosts, Tom and Zach. Welcome to a Thursday, October 13th edition of the DC Daily Drop. Uh, with the premiere of Season 2 of Legends of Tomorrow being tonight, we're going to do a summary of Season 1 today on the podcast. Um, so, sort of like if you've listened to our Supergirl Season 1 summary, I'm going to be recapping Season 1. Uh, I watched it last year when it aired, I've, so I've seen these once and no other times. So, I might not have all the details right, but I'm going <laughs> to let people know about that. But if my main goal is to be able to explain it to someone like Zach who has not seen it yet. Mm-hmm. So if you want to try out season two, see if it's for you, or go back and look at season one, you can do that. Um, so I'm going to be giving a bit of a recap, and Zach is going to jump in with questions that he has, having not seen it. Okay, so overall, sort of the tone of the series is very lighthearted and family-friendly. It's a time travel show, and if you think Flash or the Supergirl are a little too lighthearted or maybe cheesy for you then this show is definitely not for you it's uh easily the most family friendly but probably at times can be cheesy with some of the dialogue and stuff like that so the premise of the show a lot of it was set up in season four of arrow or season two of flash and the crossover of those seasons was basically setting it up Um, it introduced all of the main characters for the most part and the villain vandal savage the crossover, they were able to defeat, defeat Vandal Savage pretty easily, but he came back and being the immortal tyrant that he is. And in 2166, he's completed his rise to power and basically rules the world. So Rip Hunter, who is a time master, which is a group of people who are responsible for controlling the time stream, they, he goes back in time to 2016 to assemble a group to stop him. So he, he was in 21... 21- 2166 when vandal savage came to power like that's where he's coming back from right rip hunter is from 2166 okay and essentially vandal savage has risen to power so he decides he's got to go back in time and stop him before he can take over the world okay and vandal savage has like is he a metahuman like he has powers or he just has tech and weapons or whatnot well his powers are are very vague but essentially he's an immortal Mm. so he's also he seems to be kind of strong and a decent fighter um but it's kind of vague so the main thing is is you can try to kill him but he won't die got it (laughs) um so essentially we see all of the characters from where the show came from is that they had a bunch of characters in flash and arrow that they liked but didn't have big roles for so they basically just threw them all together and had them become a team. So we've got like the Adam, uh, Sarah Lance is back as White Canary, Firestorm, Hawk Girl, Heat Wave, Captain Cold. They're all there. Mm-hmm. So Rip Hunter assembles this team to, he goes back to 2016 to assemble a team to take down Vandal Savage. And I keep, I keep getting hung up on the time travel thing, but does he, does he have the power is that like his superpower that he can time travel or oh, he has Hunter? a machine? Yeah. Okay. He, well, being a time master, he has access basically to a time ship. Okay. A time machine, which is, it's basically a spaceship, but it can travel in time also. Um, so he can go back whenever he's in charge of maintaining the integrity of the timeline. So he tells him he was sent back to 
stop it. He says they're going to be known as legends one day for stopping Vandal Savage. They're going to be known as a legend of tomorrow. Uh, That's oh, I get it. Okay, is that is that where you got that? Yeah. Um. So does him going back mess up and create alternate realities like when Flash runs real fast? So that's sort of an interesting thing because the main the main part of this show is the time travel. So they go back to tons of different periods. Um, basically, every couple episodes, they're in a new decade or something like that. That's the main premise. It's a time travel show, first and foremost. I will say they handle it pretty well, the time travel aspects of it. So the rules are kind of set, whereas with The Flash, it can be kind of confusing to some people. Mm-hmm. I think they do a better job of sort of, these are the rules of time travel. This is how it works. So like they'll go back in time and screw something up because that's what they always do. But they say like time doesn't set until they finish their mission or whatever. Mm-hmm. So time isn't constantly changing and creating new earths, but they can sort of see what happens in the future if they do something and then realize they screwed up and try to fix it. Okay. So just a non-spoiler overview of the series. Um, like I said, the tone's very lighthearted. The action is pretty good. I mean, it's about what you would expect if you've seen Arrow in the Flash. Uh, the only problem is you can tell it's limited by its budget because not necessarily from what you see on screen, but from the story. So Firestorm is way overpowered for the show. And so mm-hmm. rather than just having him save the day every time, they make ridiculous excuses for the two the two people who to become Firestorm, they keep them apart almost all the time. So they're they'll be going out on a mission. One of them will be staying in the Wave Rider. That's the name of the spaceship. The other one will be going out on a mission. And of course something bad happens and they're like, oh man, it'd be really handy to have the other guy right now. Right. <laughs> and then, you know, like with the atom, they establish pretty early that he can keep his atom suit as like a small action figure in his pocket. But mm-hmm. he always forgets to bring it with. Oh, that's that's unfortunate. <laughs> yeah. So it's stuff like that. And that's probably because, you know, those are the two most powerful ones and they're the hardest to display action and CGI wise. Yeah. Speaking of the characters, they're probably the best part of the show. I mean, a lot of these characters you would know from Arrow or Flash and they're really interesting, like just unique characters. And the fun part is, like I said, they go on a lot of missions and what they do is normally throw like two, three, or four of them together and have them go out and explore. And they're just, none of the personalities mix. <laughs> so they're always clashing and really interesting to see with see what they do. Um, you know, like Captain Cold working with the Atom. Like, yeah. they just don't get along. <laughs> he thinks, you know, Captain Cold thinks that the Atom is a goody two-shoe Boy Scout. And, you know, the Atom thinks that Captain Cold and Heatwave are just worthless thugs who shouldn't even be with them. Yeah. And they're like in, so they keep going to different times. So like, and I saw some clips like they're in like the wild, wild west and stuff like that. So they get to go to a bunch of different time periods and that, that seems like that could be kind of fun to see though. Yeah. That's like, that's the other, one of the best parts besides the characters is getting to see all the different time periods. Normally what they do is go to a time period for like two or three different episodes that way you sort of really get to explore it and that's the fun part seeing like i don't know martin stein 
back in the 70s with the college version of himself who's just like this goofy scientific genius pothead (laughs) and so and like he falls for sarah lance or something like that you know that's that happens early so i'm not getting into spoilers really but it's just funny to see them in different environments and how they react what's the farthest back they've gone so far they've gone back to the 1800s and is the farthest i remember um they're not they're not like fighting dinosaurs yet no not yet looks like they might in season two but yeah yeah um yeah so the main characters victor garber is awesome as half of firestorm he's just awesome and brandon routh is too i I don't know if you've seen brandon routh in much but he's great in whatever he does he's a really talented actor i don't always like what they have them do so Mm -hmm. like brandon routh comes in season three of arrow and he's this confident guy who is arrogant and will steal your company but smile to your face and be polite about it Mm -hmm. but he gets to legends of tomorrow and he's sort of just he's sort of mopey and a love interest and he doesn't really get a whole lot to do i would like Mm -hmm. to see him sort of take charge and be the leader of the group because he's you know a scientific genius he's got a very powerful suit he would be great at it but he's sort of just a side character yeah and that's one of the other bigger issues of the show because they've got like something like eight eight or nine main cast members they tried to give them all a role in each episode so the scenes are really short and they sort of progress fast quickly through it through them and so you don't really get enough time to breathe and let the story the individual character arcs develop Mm -hmm. but at the same time it's like it's rushed but yet it's repetitive because the stories you know, without getting into too much spoilers, basically they go to a time period, try to stop Vandal Savage, fail. So then they go to another time period, try to stop right. Vandal Savage, fail. And and that sort of lasts for 16 different episodes. So what is like their home base? Like, okay, so they went back to the 1800s and they failed. When they've realized they failed, where do they go back to? Well, their their home base is the Wave Rider. But like what time is it on the Wave Rider? They don't have it. They're just going from time to time. Okay. So, like, when they're in the Wave Rider, they're basically traveling through time to their next destination, or else they get to that destination and just sort of chill because the Wave Rider can go invisible. <laughs> okay. And the Wave Rider sort of is like got everything they need. There's a version of Gideon on there from the Flash, mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. that sort of knows everything and can take care of them. But then it's also they've they've got like a medical thing, like some science tech based medical thing hospital where they just go in the room and it's like oh it looks like your blood pressure is a little high why don't we calm you down or something (laughs) like that or it's you know it can heal them and it it's kind of wacky that's pretty convenient yeah and they also have something in the wave rider that can i don't know if it changes clothes or makes new ones but so whatever time period they go to they automatically have clothes made yeah (laughs) so (laughs) it's kind of goofy but if i mean if we're talking about a time travel show, that really doesn't, that's really not a big deal. Right. Yeah. If you're buying into the time travel, you are probably going to buy into the other stuff too. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah. So the characters do seem a little rushed, but there are, there are a lot of fun just seeing them interact. I wish we got to see them develop more, but yeah, Brandon Routh is definitely awesome. Arthur Darville is pretty good as Rip Hunter. Um, he's basically the leader because he's from the future and he knows what's going to happen, so he tries to steer everybody in the right direction. 
he's a little bit he's got a little bit of I guess I'd say Amanda Waller in him where he's mm-hmm. sort of you know we've got to get this done no matter what so sometimes he's sort of morally questionable Firestorm's good in it but like like we talked about with the powers you know he's it feels like most of the stuff could be solved by Firestorm and Adam but they've got to have a reason <laughs> for the rest of the team to be there yeah so it's sort of whatever um hawk girl and Hawkman are in it they're sort of the weaker part of it um hawk girl especially is interesting but when the show starts it's when she first discovers that her memories that she was hawk girl in past lives so she's very slow to get involved with the action she's sort of like you'll hear about a thousand times her say how she used to be a barista at jitters <laughs> in central city because that's how she was introduced and there's like a ridiculous joke she mentions it it seems like a thousand times but she only says it probably five times but two months ago i was a barista at jitters and now i'm a warrior goddess or whatever <laughs> so she sort of used that as an excuse heatwave and captain cold are pretty good um they if you like them on flash you'll like them here they get developed a little more um but they've still got their villainous tendencies i would say mm-hmm. and they still talk like they're comic book villains <laughs> so if you can't handle that you might not like that in larger doses but yeah i guess how that's many, it. you got anything questions how many cold puns does captain cold make oh god i don't know i can't i can't count <laughs> <laughs> i think they do tone that down a little bit i mean they mix it in definitely but he doesn't get he's not got 10 cold puns every episode luckily oh. I don't know. That's something I would look forward to. So, <laughs> All right. Any other questions before we get into the spoiler summary? No, I think it's all making sense so far. All right. Well, now is the point where we're getting to the spoilers. Um, so if you haven't watched and don't want to be spoiled, stop listening. All right. So all that stuff I said about Rip going back in time by the Time Masters is a bit of a lie. He asked the <laughs> Time Masters to go back in time. They told him no, but his wife and son were killed by vandal savage so he steals the wave rider and goes back in time gets a group of people to stop vandal savage so they all think that they were going to be legends but really he only chose them because they have their lives and death have zero impact on the timeline oh jeez okay when do you find that out that's in the pilot either the first it's there's a two-part pilot i don't remember if that was in the first part or the second part but they get to that pretty quick Okay. But, yeah. So that all hits them pretty hard, especially Ray Palmer. Like, no matter what you do, you have no impact. Your life means nothing (laughs) to the future. (laughs) So, like, they're basically the expendables. Right. That's why he picked them. Um, So because of that, uh, the Time Masters send Kronos, who's a villain, after, after the Wave Rider. So he's sort of always trying to stop them. So that's one of the other recurring threats under other than Savage. We learn quickly that Kendra needs to kill Savage with a dagger. That's the only way he can die for good. So that's part of the reason he's able to survive. For 16 episodes, there would have been chances for him to die. But uh, she has to kill him. Why does it have to be her? So they're connected. Hawkman, Hawkgirl, and Vandal Savage are all connected. In ancient Egypt, they were all there. And uh, there was meteorites that came down a meteor shower if you will um (laughs) and sort of impacted those three so hawkman and hawk girl get reincarnated and 
Vandal Savage is immortal. Hawkman comes back with his memories, but Hawkgirl doesn't get them right away. But they're destined to love each other and um, yeah. fall in love, you know. But Vandal Savage stays immortal by killing them. So he's killed them, like, I think it was 400 times <laughs> over the year. And they've never been able to stop him. The, wow. So <laughs> the only way they can stop him is with a special dagger um, to kill him. But some of the time periods we go through is 2166, 2016. 1975, 1986, the 50s, and 2147. So I'm not going to go into details of what happens each of those time periods, but sort of the general thing is uh, in some of the more interesting things are in 1958, Sarah, Kendra, who's Hawkgirl, and Ray get stuck there and get abandoned in the Wave Rider. They live there for two years before the Wave Rider comes back which was just like five minutes later to the people on the wave rider, but they actually live there. So Ray and Kendra fell in love because Hawkman they thought was dead at this time. (laughs) They fall in love, but then they get rescued and there's like just this unnecessary love triangle when (laughs) Hawkman comes back between Hawkgirl and Ray. So it's sort of the least interesting part of it. Well, that one's too easy. Like, you know, Hawkman has to end up with Hot Girl. Right. And so it's like, it, I'm not surprised that they did it, but I didn't think they needed to spend so much time on it. And it's, it sucks because a lot of Ray Palmer's arc is just that. Yeah. When he's a really interesting character who's a little wasted. But uh, some of the cooler things they go see, it's really cool seeing all the different time periods. But 1871 stood out because they met Jonah Hex there, the mm. old, you know, Jonah Hex. Yeah. Sort of the old cowboy hero from that time period. Um, and Star City 2046 was really cool. They go to Star City 2046, and in this timeline, everything's screwed up. So Star City's a mess. Um, Diggle's son has become Connor Hawk, who is the Green Arrow of the future in the comics. So he's a Green Arrow. And Oliver Queen is basically the Dark Knight Returns Oliver. He's got one arm. He's a grumpy, lonely old man. It's pretty cool <laughs> to see him come back. Yeah. Uh, that's some of the highlights. Um, there's some other weird stuff in there, like Mick becomes Kronos for a while and leaves, so there's drama with them. So Captain Cold and Heatwave, surprised they become sort of heroic in the end. Captain Cold sacrifices himself, and they're able to stop Savage. Go figure. They're finally able to stop him, and that's sort of how it ends. Mm-hmm. It's a happy ending, so... Hawkman and Hawkgirl leave at the end of the series. They want to live their life now that Savage is gone. Captain Cold has sacrificed himself. Uh, so they all think they're done. Rip's dropping them off. And then season two gets set up. Rex Tyler shows up, says he's with the Justice Society of America. And so that's what the main part of season two is going to be. Um, mm-hmm. With Legion, with a version of the Legion of Doom being the villain. What do you think about that? It sounds like it should be really interesting, but just... Everything I've seen from it so far, like it is, it's almost over the top cheesy it, it kind is, of. It yeah. looks like, so I think I'm gonna start watching it, but and just knowing, I think knowing ahead of time that it's going to be that cheesy. Yeah, if you can't, maybe it'll make it easier. If you can't handle the lightheartedness, that's not. This won't be for you. I like it, but it does. It got sort of repetitive and a little too cheesy at times for me. I think they've mm-hmm. learned from some of their mistakes and are gonna. Everything I've heard about season two sounds a lot better. So like they're going to spend each episode, they're going to focus on like two or three characters as opposed to trying to fit all of them in. 
Yeah. And they're going to have different set of villains. So I'm excited by what I've seen. So I think there's can they can definitely do some cool things with it. And I'm, I guess we'll see what happens when season two starts tonight. Yeah, the teaser that I watched definitely piqued my interest, especially when um, we hear Barry Barry Allen's voice from, I think it's 2056, he says. Yeah, yeah so. We see Super And obviously, yeah, obviously the crossover coming is getting me more interested in this. Yeah. Well, now you'll at least know what's going on when you see the crossover or have a better idea. Exactly. So, all right, I think that's it for our summary today. Um, thanks for listening. Be sure to subscribe on iTunes so you never miss an episode. Thanks for listening, and make sure to check out DC Daily Drop on Twitter, Facebook, and dcdailydrop.com. Drop by tomorrow for more DC news.